I hope you'll follow along with the outline that's been provided. We're going to be in uh, Genesis 28 primarily, so all the references are from Genesis where we've been reading uh, throughout the week for those of you who are doing the reading plan. Here we get to, to Jacob, and we're, as you read through here, one of the things that captures you is just that Abraham received a promise from God, and it was a significant promise. Um, great blessings, and through you, all nations will be blessed. The promise of, of Jesus we hear in there. And that blessing that was given to Abraham was then passed down to his son Isaac, and then we're going to read here in a moment, uh, Isaac then passes down this blessing to his uh, second son, Jacob. And as the, and we're going to see in particular with Jacob, we're going to see um, just the neat action that he takes, which is uh, setting up this pillar and uh, anointing it with oil. Kind of a unique thing from in some regards to what we've already seen in the book of Genesis up till now. But it's just, it's a significant thing in his life. When he's received the promise, he does something, and he responds to the promise of God, and he himself makes a vow. And so uh, the, the challenge of the lesson today is simply for us to consider what has God promised us? What does God speak to us what what has he spoken to us what is his offering and and have we really given our lives to him and as we go through our lives and if we've already made a vow to God to live for him to make him our God are we honoring that every day and just remembering that promise so today it's it's a call for us to really look to God and to say to him you are my God that's what we're going to see Jacob doing and it's, it's kind of a time for us to sit back and think about in our lives, have I been doing what I need to be doing for the one who has made great and wonderful promises to me? So we are going to begin at the very last verse of Genesis chapter 27, and it is verse number 46. We'll read through chapter 28, verse 5. Rebecca said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? That's a reference to Esau's wives, the daughters of Heth, from the land of Canaan. Verse chapter 28. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise. Go to Padamaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padamaran, Padan, Padan, whatever, <laughs> Padan Haran, Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So simple, very simple thought here, and you hear it, and you hear that blessing that's given to Jacob. It was the blessing that was given to Abraham. 
Abraham passed that blessing on. God, God called uh, the son of Abraham, Isaac, and now, now uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac is passing on this blessing to his son, Jacob. Now, Jacob, uh, he, he, we're provided quickly here in verses uh, 6 through 9, a contrast. Jacob was the younger son. He wasn't really the one to be receiving the birthright and the blessing, but he received it because, as we see here, it seems that Esau, he just wasn't, he wasn't worthy. He wasn't the responsible son. Uh, verse 6, now Esau saw that Isaac could bless Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to uh, take for himself a wife there. And that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael, went to his cousin of sorts, and married. Besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. So here you have Ishmael. It's almost like you see him trying to do right. But the scripture is clear to point out he wasn't pleasing to his father, to his mother. Besides that, we had already learned he had despised his birthright. Esau just uh, has a way of, of messing things up in a big way. Um, even though it's kind of nice to see him here make, at least making some attempt to please his, his father. But now on into chapter 28, verses 10 through 13. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had sent, had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream and behold, a ladder. It was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Now, I can't, um, uh, one thing I can say is that God clearly reveals himself here to Jacob. And it's, it's interesting to me that if you read through the stories previously, you don't have an, um, a for sure clue that God had shown himself or spoken to Jacob in any way. I get the impression this is probably the first time. This is when God reveals himself. He shows himself. He makes himself known to Jacob at this time. Now, I'm very confident, and if you figure out the timeline here, Abraham's actually still alive at this time. If you go and look at the, look at the, uh, the, how long they lived and compare all the numbers that you figure out, Abraham's alive at this time. So I'm very confident Abraham has told Jacob about his God. I'm very confident that Isaac has told uh, Jacob about his God. They were passing down what they knew and everything that they had experienced. They were telling the stories. They were telling the promises. They were doing that. So Jacob, in that sense, he knows the God of his fathers. He knows the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, because he has been told. 
And maybe there has been an experience that he's had with God. I can't say for, for certain that there hasn't, but it seems to me you get to this point and now God is revealing himself, I think for the first time, to Jacob. And it's this wonderful, glorious vision that he has while asleep with his head on a rock. A beautiful vision. God reveals himself in this dream and he speaks to Jacob. So now Jacob is uh, falling in line, experiencing God just in this wonderful way. And that we look at and we think, this is, you know, can you imagine God speaking right to you? Can you imagine a dream where you're, you're right there in the presence of God? What an amazing thing. And, and God's, it's, just a wonderful, wonderful thought and experience this close relationship that God would have with people, especially as we go through the Old Testament and you see some of these folks. Just a neat thing. God reveals himself to Jacob. And I do want to flash to this other verse. Um, this is more than 14 years later in Genesis 35. Um, uh, if you see in verse number one, he's going to Bethel. Verse 7, it says, He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And really, primarily that verse is the one that really kind of shows me that that was the first time God revealed himself. It doesn't say that specifically, but I think that's indicated there. So, so that's uh, you know just a neat thing here. God showing up to J Jacob just like he had to the fathers. Now on with verse, I want to read verse 13 again with verse number 14. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north, and to the south. And in you, and in your descendants, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Here's this wonderful promise, this wonder, you know, God says something, you can trust it, right? Wonderful blessings. God promises to bless Jacob. And you'll notice in here that these, he's going to bless him so that he can be a blessing. Through him, all families on earth will be blessed. Through your seed or through your descendants, all peoples will be blessed. Now that flashes us back to Genesis chapter 12. If you'll turn there, I think this is one of the most important passages that you need to know in all of Scripture to help make sense of everything, to see that the Old Testament leads us into the New Testament, leads us into Christ. Um, so Genesis 12, 1 through 3, that's the initial promise that was given to Abraham, or Abram at that time. But in verse number 2 in particular, it says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. Just think about those words. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. 
The promise to Abraham is, I'm going to bless you so that then you can be a blessing to all those around you. And actually, the blessing through Abraham was going to be a blessing to all peoples on the earth. Everyone who would hear and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior, the descendant of Abraham. So as we get to then this promise to Jacob, we just, we, it's not the exact same words, but you still have that same message. God says, I'm going to bless you. So that you can be a blessing to others. That's a wonderful promise, a wonderful hope, wonderful purpose in life, isn't it? That's big time. You think about, here's one guy just in the, in the world and God's saying, I'm going to use you. I pick you and you're going to be a blessing to everyone on this earth. Okay, on, let's continue on. Chapter 28, again, verse number 15, we add to God's words as he continues to speak. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Wonderful thought that you hear in there, God's words speaking. I am with you. I will keep you. Words that we still treasure to this day, don't we? This, this promise still it rings in our minds already. One of the greatest promises of Scripture is God just saying, I'm going to be with you no matter how bad it gets, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how dark the day seems, how deep the valley is, I will be with you and I will keep you. Jacob received that promise. God was going to be with him. God said, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Verses 16 through 17. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You know, here's the, you know, Jacob thought, he, he's thinking he has found the spot where God kind of intercedes with man. The angels going up and down, this is the gateway to heaven. And he is asleep on this spot. And by the way, and, he, and so he's gonna, we're going to see the name Bethel. You know, house of God. He, and this is going to be the place where the, uh, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, is, is kept for, for quite a while before Jerusalem becomes the, uh, the, the place for the temple. But let's continue on. So that's verse, um, verses 16. The Lord is in this place. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. Remember those words. He said this. This is the house of God. That's whenever you see the word Bethel. That's the house of God. God. On to verses 18 and 19. So Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob setting up this pillar. When's the last time you've done something like this? <laughs> Take a rock 
and turn it up straight somehow so that it resembles, we know what a pillar is. We usually think of them as attached to the front of a building, holding up something on a building, right? It's a pillar. So this is a stone. I don't know how large it was. I don't know if, you know, if he had to turn it up. We know it was small enough that he could put his head on it. At least narrow enough. I don't, you don't know what you're picturing here. It's kind of hard to imagine. But he takes the stone and he sets it up so that it looks like a pillar. And then he anoints it. Anointing. It's a, it's a choosing. He's saying this is set apart from God. This is something special here in this place. He set that up as a pillar, a memorial of sorts, to remember what happened here. It's a marker. And by chance, he's going to come by there later. He's going to remember it. If he never gets by there to see it again, he's still going to remember what he did. He sets up this marker. And he is going to get there later, by, isn't he? But it's a place to remember. He set that up. That event was special. That dream was special, and it was more than a dream. God speaking to him, God interacting to him, God revealing himself to him, probably for the very first time. And he sets up this marker to remember. He set up a pillar and anointed it with oil. And I kind of wonder, too, at this point, he's getting ready to go on this long journey. I wonder how much oil he had with him for the journey. He was going to need that probably for uh, cooking, doing some things to get his food on the trip. But he was willing to pour it out on that pillar. Verses 20 through 22 to end our reading in the chapter. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And here's the vow. Uh, Jacob, you know, he makes this vow. And he wasn't a perfect person. You know, we contrasted him with, uh, uh, with, with Esau. But even though he's, he's not perfect, he knows he can come to God. And he, God has chosen him. And so he's going to make this vow to God. That you will be my God. And you can kind of look at that and you can kind of think, Jacob saying, all right, God, well, you know, if you actually do what you said you'll do, then I'll, then I'll, you know, then I'll call upon you and make my, make you my God. Eh, you can read it like that, I guess, if you're a, not a very positive thinking person. But I look at this and I see what has happened in this scripture and God saying, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And, and Jacob says, yes, and if you do it, then I will make you my God and you are my God. And he sets up that pillar. He's going to remember this moment. This is the time that he is calling upon the name of the Lord God who has revealed himself to him. And he's giving him his life. He is devoted in every way. He is going to give a tenth of everything that he gets. Years later, if you continue on the outline and you can go ahead to chapter 35 again, verse 14 I think is really interesting. And I've already noted from the little bit that we read in chapter 35, 
and this is at least 14 years after Jacob has gone up and had all of his troubles in the in Haran, um, and now he's going back to Bethel, and he has journeyed uh, journeyed there. In verse uh, verse 13. Then God went up with him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So here is Jacob years and years later. And it's like he's back at, and this is in Bethel, um, I think if you look back in um, Chapter 35, verse 7, it's clear this is back in Bethel again. And I don't know that this is the place where he had found, well, he went back and he found the stone that he had turned up before and the pillar he had done before. Now he's adding more stones to it. I don't know if it's that exact perfect location, but it's the same place. It wouldn't surprise me if it was the exact same stone in the exact same place, but I don't know that for sure. But we see Jacob doing the same thing again. And he is still establishing this memorial to God, and he's setting up, he's adding stones to it. And I want you to have that picture and an image of your mind where he's going back to the place where he'd been previously, where he had made this prom- God had made a promise to him, and then he made a vow to God. And now he's going back and he's honoring God once again in this place, adding more stones to this pillar to remember the vow that he has made in response to the promise that God has made with him. And by the way, up in verses 9 through 12 and verse 35, it's the promise has been given again. And he is setting up this memorial. He's going to remember this. It is important in his life. He is laying down the marker to always remember. Now with all of this in mind, this story, this interesting story, this weird story about some guy setting up stones, turning them out, setting up a pillar and pouring oil on rocks, you know, Turn to 1 Timothy, chapter 3, in verse 15. Um, we can read 14 with it. Um, I'm going to read verse 16. 16 might actually add some to our even the picture that's being created here. 1 Timothy 3.14 I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the house of God. The house of God. Literally the dwelling place. Of God, if you look at the word that's used there, how one ought to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Speaking of Jesus there in that latter verse, but this idea of 
The church of the living of God, we are the house of God. As Jacob set up that, uh, that stone, the gate to heaven, the place where God interacts with man, and he sets up that, that rock and he calls it the house of God, the dwelling place of God. And we get to 1 Timothy, and here we learn that the, the church is the house of the living God. The church is the place where God interacts with man. The church with God's people are are where, uh, you know, God meets up and reveals himself to all of mankind, to all peoples everywhere. And what it is that we proclaim being, uh, being the pillar and support of the truth You know, the pillar in support of the truth, we're going to uphold that truth. That's the picture of the pillar there. But we also remember Jacob built that pillar in the place of the house of God. The house of God is the pillar. The church is the pillar, the support of truth. We're the one, we are the truth revealed. We are the ones who are going to shine the light and share the light and the gospel of Jesus to all mankind, to every nation, to every peoples. We are the ones who have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. Go to um, now to second or first Peter chapter two, verse five. First Peter chapter two, uh, verse number five. Talking about stones again. Verse 4, And coming to Him, coming to the Lord, coming to Jesus, and coming to Him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Stones making a house. And we are that house. A priesthood. A spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You know, so in one sense, we're the prophets, you know, that we, we take the message, we take the truth, and we share it with the nations. But we're also a priesthood. The priesthood is the one who speaks to God on behalf of the people. We are that house. God, God offers, he tells us, he shares this information with us just about the house of God, it's a it's a very promising. It's a very very wonderful uh, purpose. We talked about Jacob having a purpose, and there's purpose given to us as the church. I want you to think as you think about these verses, just to kind of go back and um, look at the things that we've listed on this outline, and just think of how they impact us as Christians. Think about how they impact you as now you are one who is, is a part of the rock. You're a part of this pillar that's been built up, that, that is part of the house. You are a part of it. As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, you've given your life to Christ. That first thing, Isaac passes, 
God's blessing to Jacob, the worthy son. So here, you know, and then contrasted with Esau, the one who wasn't, he wasn't responsible, wasn't doing what he should have been doing to honor God. He was not God-serving, he was self-serving. But Jacob, though not perfect, he was God-serving. So God comes to him and he's a recipient of the blessing. Well, that, that promise and that blessing, and basi- I'll put it basically as this, and Jesus is very much involved, but the idea is that I'm, God says, I'm going to bless you, and then you will be a blessing to others. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. And now we're, that promise was made to them, that promise is made to us. God has blessed you with Wonderful spiritual truths. He has blessed you with the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that you might be saved, so that you can have access to heaven. You are, you are the house. You have entered into the gate. You have seen heaven because we've seen Jesus. And so we know. And we're blessed. And we're blessed so that we can bless others. Jacob continued to add stones to that monument, right? And there needs to be continual adding of stones to the monument. Don't we seek to reach out to the lost and bring them into the church and continue to build the church? Don't we want to see God's house continually built and made greater? Don't we want all the nations to come to him, all peoples to be blessed? That is our desire. That blessing, that promise has been Passed down to us. God calls me to share the blessings that I have received with others. Am I going to be self-serving and keep these blessings to myself? And by the way, then I would lose them. Or am I going to be what God wants me to be? To be a blessing unto others. Don't be self-serving. Be God-serving. And uh, the third item down there, God reveals himself to Jacob. When Jesus came in the flesh, he revealed himself to the world. And we are fortunate to look into these pages and see Jesus Christ. That is why we want to know this word better. It's why we're devoted to reading it. And we want to do that to seek Jesus so that we can know God. God has revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus. Revealed in the flesh is what it said, I believe, in... um, uh, in First uh, Timothy uh, 3.16, who was revealed in the flesh. The mystery of God. He who was revealed in the flesh. Jesus has been made known to us. He's been revealed to us. Uh, 28, uh, Genesis 28.13-14, it says God's promises to bless Jacob. God promises to bless Jacob so he can be a blessing to others. That promise is held out to us. And, you know, here's Jacob, one person on the earth. It was like God was counting, and it happened to Abraham, then it happened to Isaac, and then it happened to Jacob. I'm picking you. One person. You better fall through or else I'm going to have to go to plan B. God isn't going to go to plan B. He sticks with plan A. And Jacob follows through. He was God-serving. He was one person. Can you imagine the pressure that that would have put? Well, you know, it's... Put yourself in that position. How important the, the importance of, and the desire to follow through the, the, you know, God needs me and I'm going to do it. That's the kind of thought that we need to have. God needs us to be a blessing to others. 
God needs you. And he trusts you to follow through. God wants to bless somebody else through you. He needs you. Oh, the pressure. No, don't be like that. God's going to be with you. And he will help you to do it. What a wonderful thought. Wonderful promise. Wonderful hope. God, thank you for your purpose that you have given to us in the church. The house of God. Okay, and so going on, that very next thought there, God says, I'm with you, I will keep you, I will not leave you. And the interesting thing that I, I, you know, those promises are to us, you know, Jesus, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so, wonderful promise. It was interesting to me to look, and and in that passage back in um, uh, Genesis 28, God told uh, Jacob, he says, I will never leave you until I have uh, fulfilled my promise and until I have done what I said I would do is kind of how he said it. I'm on the wrong page. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Think about for a second. I wrestled with this one. Um, Funny. Jacob means wrestled or struggles with God. So anyhow, I struggled with this one, wrestled with this one a little bit. What? What does that mean? God says, I will never leave you until. It's kind of a funny thing, you know? What on earth is that? And I kind of think, has has the promise to Jacob been completely fulfilled and done? Has he really done what he said? Has he blessed everybody, reached out to all peoples like he wants to through Jacob, through his offspring, through Jesus Christ? I think we're still working on that promise, aren't we? Isn't that our purpose as a church to keep on spreading the truth, to continue to add rocks to that altar? Excuse me, altar, I meant just, you know, the pillar. Yeah. All right. So if the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet, and I'm no, I'm not going to claim to be a great theologian on this one, and I'm on to something new, but hey, if the promise is never if it hasn't been done, if, if God hasn't finished what he started to do, then he's still holding on to the promise. He says, I will never leave you until I've done what I've promised you. He's still with us. He's still with us. We are the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of our father Isaac. The, we are the offspring of our father Jacob. We are spiritual Israel. We're still fulfilling the promise. He's still with us. Is he with you? Is he still working in us and through us? 16 and 17, the Lord is in this place. How awesome is this place, the house of God. The church is the house of God. How awesome is this place? Do you love the church? Are you filled with awe when you think about God's kingdom and what it means to us as believers and the hope that it gives to all peoples everywhere, those who are not of the household? How awesome is this place? Let us be filled with awe. Let us... Let us remember how great and mighty and wonderful our God is. 
And let us, in our gatherings especially, let us let's just be filled with a sense of, wow, God is here with us. We are the house of God. We are entering into, uh, when we enter into our worship, I can't say that it's not true all the time, but it's especially true when we worship as we are coming into His very presence. He is with us. Angels, there's a ladder extended down here, and there's interaction between us and heaven, and God is there saying, I am the Lord, Lord, the God, Lord God. And we bow before Him and worship Him and say, How wonderful is this place? Jacob set up a pillar and anointed that place. When's the, you know, have you had, you know, I think in our lives we have times where we need to remember that this is an important time. This is an important moment. I need to remember this. God, God builds it into a system when we get dunked under the water for the forgiveness of our sins, I think. It's like that's a pillar. That's a time when we can remember. That's a time when we declare, I need you, God. I cannot save myself. Thank you for Jesus. I'm going to hold on to him for all my days. Clothe me in him. A pillar. A memorial. A place to remember. A place, time when God did something. The most important thing. And we need to remember that. And I think as we go through life, there are times we, we might make it through a particularly difficult time or we experience some particular joy and high of time that we are really close to, to God, to Christ, to the church. And we need to remember those times. And, and today, as we're here, you know, it might be a time where somebody says, you know, I need to, I, I look at Jacob here and he ended up saying, I will, uh, excuse me, I'll look at the words, um, did I turn the page? Nope, here it is. If God will be with me on this journey and keep me and, and bring me back, I will return to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. This might be the day that, that a Christian here is thinking, you know, from this day forth, I am going to live. I want to remember this day and be dedicated like Jacob was and say, this is my God. And I want to repent of sin. I want to live for him more fully. If anybody needs to set a pillar up today, you can come and confess to the church. You can share with the church that this day is the day that you will go forth as a different person. You're going to reach new heights in in what God calls you to be because you want to be a blessing to others. Maybe you need to set up a pillar and come and confess that to the people today. And also the call is for those who aren't perfect, those who are actually still stained with sin. And I, uh, I want you to consider that today's the day that you can make a declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. Today's the day that you can do what God calls you to do and to give your life to Christ and to say that this is my God. I need him. He is my savior. He is the one who has died for me. I will forever from this moment live for him and serve him as my God. I will stop serving myself. If today's that day that you need to take that step of faith, I'll encourage anybody if you need to do that. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can um, enter the, the gate in the house of God. You can enter into the blessings of heaven and have a purpose in your life being a part of God's church. If there's anybody here who needs to respond in any way,
If you want to declare that Jesus is your God, today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Set up that pillar. Anoint it. Mark it as holy. This is the day. If anybody needs to respond in any way, please come as we stand and sing.